You're listening to the Baseball Prospect Journal Podcast. Here is your host, Dan Zielinski. Welcome back to another edition of the Baseball Prospect Journal Podcast. I'm Dan Zielinski, founder and national writer at BaseballProspectJournal.com. You can find all of my content and work at BaseballProspectJournal.com and can also follow me on Twitter at DanZielinski3 and at the BP Journal. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. It's crazy that the MLB draft is right around the corner. We're less than two months away from the draft starting. The college baseball and high school baseball seasons are slowly winding down. College baseball is getting close to the NCAA tournament, which only means the College World Series is only a few weeks away. In today's episode, I sit down with Baseball Prospect Journal college baseball contributor Logan Quinton, who covers the Tennessee Volunteers and the SEC for Baseball Prospect Journal. Logan is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to Tennessee and the SEC. He's really well connected. He understands the different programs and teams. He also understands who some of these top prospects are and really has done a great job this season over at BaseballProspectJournal.com covering Tennessee and the SEC. He will be at the SEC tournament covering it for Baseball Prospect Journal, so make sure to stay tuned for all of his content from there. But in today's episode, I sat down with Logan to discuss kind of the regular season for Tennessee and some other SEC teams, also who to watch for when it comes to the SEC tournament and also the NCAA tournament. LSU entered the year as a heavy favorite to win a national title. They've struggled of late. They still have a lot of talent, but they've struggled of late and aren't the clear-cut favorite now to win the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. So we talk about some teams to watch from the SEC, who our favorite is from the SEC to capture a national title. We also talk about Tennessee and their potential. They've played better of late, and they always have the pitching to compete, so they're definitely a team to watch, and we get into that as well. It's always great to sit down with Logan and discuss baseball and just talk shop with him. So really enjoyed our conversation. Now let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Logan Quinton. Joining me now on the Baseball Prospect Journal podcast is Baseball Prospect Journal college baseball contributor, Logan Quinton. Logan, man, it's always good to speak with you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Dan. Uh, exciting time of the year. Uh, we're wrapping up you know, college baseball in terms of the regular season. I know down here in these parts, we got Hoover coming up next week, which is a wild and wacky tournament in and of itself. And then we got the big tournament. And then after that, MLB draft. I love this time of year, and uh, I'm really excited to come on and uh, chop it up with you, man. Yeah, these next two months are going to be crazy. It's just going to be constant baseball, and it's going to be fun seeing where these draft guys kind of improve their draft stock and where they end up going come July. But for those who don't know, Logan covers Tennessee and SEC baseball for Baseball Prospect Journal. He's going to be in Hoover covering some of the games, some of the days of the tournament for Baseball Prospect Journal. So definitely check out that at BaseballProspectJournal.com. And one thing that stands out to me before we get to talking about the tournament is simply just obviously SEC baseball 
best conference every year and always a lot of competitive quality teams in the league. But one thing that stands out is Ole Miss. Ole Miss won the national title last year, and now they're sitting in last place. I guess, Logan, what what kind of stands out to you throughout this regular season? Yeah, you know, that's sort of been the theme the past couple of years. Uh, Last year, it was Mississippi State that was sitting in that boat. And now this year, Ole Miss. Uh, And that's it's funny you asked me that right off the bat because I was just thinking before the pod going through my head and trying to process uh, we're, we're going into the last day uh, of the regular season. So I was trying to process uh, the sec as a whole and the key word there is theme, right? And I feel like the theme for this year for the sec is just when you think you have things sniffed out uh, something changes and it, to me, it began with uh, around the time, you know, for example, LSU, uh, they look so dominant and, and were looking so good. And uh, I know a lot of people held on to that um, uh, that thought that this team was dominant even after all the injuries and stuff. But for me, when that team, when Garrett Edwards went down, and, and around that time, I thought, uh-oh. You know, because it on the pitching side of things, it felt like a team that really needed all its parts and not just Paul Skeens. Uh, the offense can bang with anybody, uh, no doubt about that. But um, slowly, they've kind of shown their vulnerability uh, after Paul Skeens uh, here of late. And then Tennessee, uh, Tennessee looked like they're about to be dead in the water. And then they resurrected South Carolina looked like I called them the best team in the country a few weeks ago. And now they they're in a tailspin. Uh, Vanderbilt uh, looked great out of the gate in conference play. Uh, They looked super before conference play. And um, but the offense was dead in the water. And then all of a sudden, when SEC play began, the offense went boom. Everything was clicking. They had pitching depth. And then uh, all of a sudden, they got knocked down a couple of pegs. And going into this last weekend, I thought, you know, uh, I said it on my podcast, on the Non-20 podcast, I would be shocked if uh, Florida and Arkansas did not end up division winners after this weekend. I thought it was pretty set. And uh, look what happened last night. Uh, Vandy was down, what was it, 8-2? to two? And came storming back. I mean, uh, for so, gosh, for what, uh, 16, 17 innings there in that Arkansas series this weekend, Vandy just looked absolutely dead. And now they've got a chance to win the series. And I think win the division. It's just been crazy. Just when uh, Alabama, me and you talked about it, um, not super high on them, but they they are on a tear uh Auburn uh the winning streak that they've had I mean it's just been uh, you can't put a thumb on any of these teams I feel like I know it seems like we've talked this is maybe what the fourth time during the season we've talked and I was thinking back to we've always talked about kind of who's the best team in the SEC who's going to be the one team that from the SEC can go win a national title and it seems like my answer is constantly changing and I do want to talk about that here at some point but you brought up a great point about LSU like coming into the season everyone was just already almost giving them the national title just because they won the transfer portal and 
Coach Johnson did a great job bringing in talent. Don't get me wrong. And their offense, like you said, is killing it. They're one of the best offensive teams in the country. When you got Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, Trey Morgan, that lineup is going to score runs. But after Paul Skeens, that pitching staff has been terrible, really. Like they, yeah. the ERA last I saw was over 10 for starters after Paul Skeens. And guys like Thatcher, Hurd, Christian Little, two guys who are really well-regarded prospects coming out of high school, potential first-round picks out of high school. Little went to Vandy to start. Hurd went to UCLA both transferred in and both were expected to compete for starting spots if or if anything serve as a really good piece out of the bullpen and both guys have not played well at all and then even like Ty Floyd shows some potential has some success but he doesn't get deep into games and he's still not like the lockdown like he's not what Tennessee has when it comes to their number two guy in a weekend rotation so I don't know LSU I think's in a little bit of trouble, I think I don't even know if they would be one of my top three teams in the SEC right now. So it's going to be interesting to watch to see if they can kind of put it all together. I remember talking to Dylan Cruz before the season, and he said it really just comes all down to chemistry for us. I'm sure with the outside expectations throughout the season, I'm sure that has gotten to them a little bit, especially as they've kind of scuffled here of late. But Come SEC tournament time and even NCAA tournament time, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we saw Tennessee last year, top team in the country, dominated the regular season. Then they get shocked by Notre Dame at home. So come postseason play, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, and I'm loving how everything is so tight with these teams. I mean, there's just not a whole lot that separates um, Florida from, let's say, Auburn. Um, and, and everything in between. I think uh, Tennessee, uh, the way they're looking like uh, looking like right now, uh, you got to feel pretty good good about their chances. And we not we all know how how deep the pitching staff is for the Vols. If the offense can just stay consistent, they're going to be dangerous. Uh, right now, for fans, um, uh, one of the questions is because Tennessee has put themselves in a seat where they can host now especially yeah. if they sweep this series against South Carolina they if they win the series uh they're definitely in the discussion they may need to in my opinion I think they need to at least win a game in Hoover to kind of put a nail in that but um it, you know but one question is would you rather uh host at, or would you rather be a two seed because Man, look at Dan, I'm telling you, looking at some of those projections, and I don't get into the weeds with it, or I really don't put a whole lot of stock into some of the projections until, uh, like, for example, this coming Monday, once the regular season games are wrapped up, that's when I take a dive, a deep dive into it. But some of the projections were showing, like, Tennessee, number two in Terre Haute uh, region, uh, Morgantown region, and some of the teams that they were uh, matched up against in in region and potentially super region play looked very very enticing uh so it's you know i don't i don't know but it, i want to see this team host um this team has been terrible on the road but i feel like if they can win a regional at home uh i think that would th 
that would give them a lot of confidence. And if they have to travel for a super, I think things could be a little bit different in terms of their um, their fate on the road. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Obviously, at the time of recording this podcast, Tennessee right now is three and eleven on the road. They're thirty three and five at home, so they're almost unbeatable in Knoxville on the road. Different story. Does that worry you that they are right now three and eleven on the road? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, if they sweep this doubleheader today, um, you know that that would put them at five, which is still not great. Couple different ways to look at it. I mean, Founders Park is one of the best environments in college baseball in sports, really. Um, the weather is definitely been at play. Uh, the crowd wasn't great last night, but it was an absolute monsoon down there. So we'll see what the what the crowd's like. Uh, but the vibe is not good with South Carolina and their fans. There's been some, um. Uh, a lot of bickering and not just, you know, your typical stuff between fans, parents, and teammates. There's some stuff that circulated and gotten to the forefront of social media. And I think it's, you know, it's reflected on the team's play and everything. And so it'll be interesting to see if, if the weather shapes up there today for the double header, what kind of crowd is behind that South Carolina Gamecocks team uh, but typically, that's a tough environment um, and a really great venue. Uh, so they're in a tailspin. But at the same time, if you sweep at Founders, I mean, that's that's saying something. No, it definitely is. And you were talking just about NCAA tournament projections. I'm looking at Baseball America's Teddy Cahill covers college baseball as well as anyone out there. And in his projected field of 64 that came out on May 17th. He had Tennessee as a two seed in with Indiana state as a number one. And then three was Iowa. Four was Wright state. If I'm Tennessee, even though you have to go on the road, I would be thrilled with that because to me, <laughs> yep. Tennessee would, would dominate that region. And I think have a lot of success. I mean, sure. Indiana state's having a good year. Iowa is Iowa. Okay. And Wright state, they're the automatic qualifier out of the Horizon League. But when tennis, Tennessee is clicking with their pitching, I don't know who can beat them, especially if their offense is adequate enough. Right now, Tennessee's offense ranks fifth in the SEC. I think if they can do that and their pitching is clicking, I think they're going to have a chance to go far in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Dan, that's one of the projections that I looked at. Um Give me that all day <laughs> long uh, if I'm a Tennessee fan. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here now. So that – but now I will say the caveat is you would be matched up with the Winston-Salem uh, region in, in that scenario. Um, and, yeah, the super matchup I would not like. That would be Wake, uh, which I truly believe is number one in the country. Um East Carolina, which they've kind of they've gotten hot at the end of the year, and that's that's a team that nobody really wants to play. Seems like year in year out in the tournament. You see, Irvine is an underrated uh, kind of dark horse as a three seed. That's a really good team that not a lot of uh, people know about. Um, so the super 
wouldn't look great uh, in terms of uh, matchup, but I would take that take that region all day long. And Charlie and I have already talked about it, man. Um, we it, Terre Haute is in our sights uh, as far as traveling to a region, uh, and that would be that would be a fun one to go to. Yeah, and I mean, I think before the season, I on an earlier podcast, I gave three teams to watch for winning a national title. It was Tennessee, Wake Forest, and I'm forgetting the third right now. Wake Forest is a pretty complete team overall. Yeah. Really good starting pitching, really good offense. But again, college baseball this year and, and really every year, there's so much parity, and baseball's baseball. Team can win on a given day, even if they're not the most talented. So I agree. I mean, you wouldn't want to face Wake Forest. I think you'd rather face some of these other teams. So it's going to be fun to watch. I think – do you think with the way Tennessee lost last year, being the heavy favorites to win a national title, losing at home, do you think they can learn from that? Do you think that's not even kind of in their mind at this point? How do you think they're viewing last year going into Hoover and then NCAA tournament? I think as far as the coaches are concerned, yes, that's definitely a factor. Um, one aspect there is uh, Redmond Walsh, uh, the all-time saves leader for Tennessee. He tied the record, Todd Helton's record last year, and he's he's a guy that's been with the program for a long time. He he is now uh, on the coaching side of things and finding his role. Um, he wants to kind of make a career out of it, and this is his first year. He was on that team last year as a weapon out of the bullpen, and now he's on the coaching side of things. And obviously, Frank Anderson, Josh Elander, uh, Tony V, like they were all there for it, right? Same thing with a lot of these pitchers. In terms of the lineup, you know, when we turned the page to 2023, this was uh, pretty much a brand new lineup. There are a few pieces that that were on that team, um, but I feel like the overall makeup of the lineup and the team is a totally different vibe. So I think that, Individually, yes, it does make a difference. On the whole, I'm not sure. You know, it, it's not the same team that uh, that lost to Notre Dame at home um, against a freshman, Jack Finley, um, and, and that scrappy Notre Dame offense. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle tournament play. We'll get a good taste of it in Hoover. There is some sense of resiliency here with this club. You don't you don't look lifeless at Arkansas, you know, getting swept by Arkansas and then the next weekend back it up with sweeping Vandy the way they did and then going on the run that they have since then. I mean, you don't you you gotta have some sort of taste of resiliency, right? And it's far from the team in terms of attitude, you know, than last year, but it really feels like they're starting to piece some things together. I mean, look at Christian Scott. He he's uh been the best hitter in SEC play. Um he's getting on base at a consistent rate. Um, just unsung heroes like that. Hunter Inslee last night was like four for five against South Carolina. He he started out four for four in the game, but I think his last hit was a um was a grounder. Um, just guys like and so like it's not Blake Burke carrying this team, right? Actually, Blake Burke is kind of scuffling right now. 
but when this offense is clicking, uh, I just don't see many teams that are able to uh, get in the ring, so to speak. Uh, when you think about the the pitching depth, um, Chase Burns being the weapon out of the pen now, that's that comes into play so much. Um, we saw it with the the year the Kevin Copps year. Even though Arkansas didn't win at all, um, teams really felt like once Kevin Copps came into the game for the last maybe it was the last inning, the last few innings, whatever the case may be, he was an equalizer. He was an eliminator. Uh, and it feels like Tennessee has that with Chase Burns. And then you factor in a guy like Andrew Lindsay, uh, not Chase Dolander, but Andrew Lindsay as the uh, Friday night guy. Um, we saw him last night. Um, just, uh, man, he put on a clinic against South Carolina. And he he's a guy that's gone. Uh, he's hit the century mark or around the century mark in terms of pitches the past three weekends. So it's not like, you know, he's just a guy going to go out there and get five innings and, and hope to keep you in the ball game. This is a guy that can get some length. Uh, he has my favorite pitch mix on the team. He can mix it up. You're not getting anything good to hit. Um, there's a lot of weapons really forming for this club right now. Yeah, and I think the emergence of Andrew Lindsley in the starting rotation has ultimately and will ultimately benefit Tennessee. As, as you kind of mentioned, Drew Beam is kind of, I don't want to say tailed off, but he, he was dominating hitters early on in the year, and he's kind of um, – struggled a little bit i guess but with him dolander and Lindsay, and then burns a guy who can throw multiple innings out of the bullpen has premium stuff i mean his one-two punch is as good as anyone's even dolanders so um yeah i think that's really going to be a, a benefit to them one last question i guess about tennessee before we start looking at the sec just as a big picture chase dolander I know we've talked about him on your podcast. Regular season's kind of wrapping up here. His stats, if you're a fan just looking at it, don't look impressive. He hasn't been as sharp. He's kind of dropped a little bit in draft rankings. What's your thoughts on Chase Dolander and your confidence level going into postseason play with him? So, you know, I I understand if fans um, – have given up on him in terms of his fastball and how dominant that pitch can be for him. Um, but the good thing about it is the velo is there and it's been there for, for all of his pitches. It's just for whatever reason, uh, the command has been a little bit off on the pitch. Uh, the slider has still been really good. That's been his best pitch this year. I really like how, he and Frank Anderson have come up with a game plan this year in terms of his pitch mix because, uh, you know, that's it's something I don't want to say he had to do because he was already a, a top flight prospect coming into this thing this year. But he's doing himself a lot of favors trying to get a feel for the curveball, the change up mix that because he was he was fastball slaughter last year. And no reason to mix it up because he was uh, first year in the SEC and he and Chase Burns same, in the same boat, fastball slider, and nobody could touch him, right? So uh, comes comes into this year, 
and he's really expanded his tool set. And I, th- I really like how he's developed a feel for the curveball. Um, it's uh, below 10% usage. Um, but it he's developed a feel for it. I think it could be an average to above pitch for him going forward. Um, so he's he's learned to battle and he's he's shown the ability to to really um just get in there and getting get in the mud, so to speak, and just pitch. When things aren't going well, he doesn't have his best stuff. Um you know, to not hammer fastballs and and to try to mix it up. He's had some good outings this year and has shown flashes, but it I'm what I'm hoping is that um things come together for him at the right time because if he comes anywhere close to the dominance we saw last year, gosh, this team's gonna be so tough. So so tough. Um and you know, may, maybe that happens because there's been a lot of wild and wacky stuff uh, into the factoring into the mix here because early on in SEC play, it was not that this is a huge factor, but the pitch calm thing with he and the catchers. You know, you got to think back to that time. Uh, the catching situation was a fluid situation and. They were rotating in Jared Dickey, Cal Stark, Charlie Taylor. Um, uh, Cal Stark has taken the bull by the horns, and he's he's the primary catcher now, especially with uh, Jared Dickey sideline with the shoulder injury. But even before that, even before last weekend, Stark had cemented himself as the primary catcher. But back then, back when SEC play was getting going, um, you know, we wrote about it. Uh, you know, there was some pitch calm struggles there because Doe does not like to use it, and he continues to wear it most of the time. Uh, I, I guess as a backup, as something to default to if things go awry. But that Texas A and M game, those first couple innings were just horrid, and uh, he had, gosh, I'm trying to think back. He had a couple of balks. And um, a pitch clock violation all in the same inning. And that's a part of it. They couldn't get the communication right because they were trying to, uh, I think Jared Dickey. Uh, so Do- it was the first game Dolander said, because at the start of the year, he said, all right, I'll give this a run. Even though I don't like it, let's use this because of the catcher situation, blah, blah, blah. And then the A&M game rolls around and he's like, all right, we're going to ditch it. You know, I'm going to still wear it, but we're ditching it. And Jared Dickey got sped up and some signals got crossed. And that first inning was terrible. Uh, but then then the rest of that game, the second inning on, Dolander was lots out. And he's had a couple of other SEC outings that have been really, really good. Um, the command has kind of seen a little bit of progress. I like the way he pitched last week against Kentucky. Um, he really had to battle in that game. He definitely wasn't at his best, but he pitched his butt off um, in what could have been his last home appearance uh, in a Tennessee uniform. Um, and, and he even got a cramp. He cramped up, I think it was in the sixth. It was the fifth or sixth inning, I think. Um, but, yeah, he cramped up and continued the game and and got the win. So, this is a guy to me. What sticks out this year is just his 
he's had a lot of grit and determination this year. I just hope for all the wild stuff he's gone through this year, I hope that we can see him going into tournament play, take it up a notch, maybe some of the stuff improves, some of the command, and then you're looking at, you know, the second most dominant pitcher in college baseball if that happens. Definitely, and he's going to be a guy to watch, like you said, come postseason time because he does have the pitch mix, he does have the stuff, and just even experience pitching in some big games that it wouldn't shock me to see him have success come postseason time and really be a key factor in a Tennessee run. Talking a little bit here about Hoover, you'll be at the SEC tournament covering it for a few days for Baseball Prospect Journal and providing obviously great insight like you always do. To me, looking at the SEC tournament, we've talked about it already, but I'm going to be watching to see if there's kind of a surprise team that can come and win this thing. Obviously, Florida, Vandy are really good. Arkansas, I think even though Arkansas has a great record right now, best team in the SEC, I still think they fly under the radar. They have a few injuries that don't help that too. But LSU too is a team that I think people would expect them to win it, but aren't confident in them to win it just because some of the struggles they've had. And then Auburn's playing well of late and Alabama has not kind of been phased by the coaching change with Brad Bohannon getting fired. And then we still have Kentucky and Tennessee. I didn't even mention to South Carolina. So there's so much talent in the SEC. I'm curious to see who breaks through and wins it. What are you going to be looking for at Hoover? Well, as it pertains to the Vols, uh, a couple of wins. I, I said it on my podcast. I think a good rule of thumb uh, for a lot of these teams, uh, obviously, if you're a Mississippi State, it's you have to win it all to get in the big dance, right? So aside from that scenario, I feel like if you're – whether you're on the bubble or you're trying to lock up a national seed, I feel like a good rule of thumb is to win two in Hoover to be safe. Cause yeah. you know, whether you go two and two or two and one, whatever the case may be, um, a couple more wins is not going to hurt your resume. If anything, it's going to help. And I think it's, um, it's a good rule of thumb to have, you know, you go get a cup of coffee in the tournament, uh, get a taste of what the, tournament feel is going to be like um and i think that's important for a team like tennessee i mentioned their identity how different it is from last year i think this team needs to experience all the up downs that hoover provides in terms of whether it's weather or long games uh, game times getting delayed um just a wild and wacky schedule playing in the morning late at night um, I think that would that a dose of that would do good for some of these teams. Uh, I, I I think Tennessee can benefit the most from that. So I want to see. I look if Tennessee wants to win this thing, fine. But after winning it all last year, the most important thing here for Tennessee is just to have a nice little stay and um, kind of get that taste, that feel for tournament play, and get out of Dodge healthy. Um, as far as teams that can, or that I think could win this thing, one one team that's jumping out to me is Kentucky, just because of their pitching depth and they they throw so many guys at you anyways. It's a tough hitting bunch. Uh, gosh, I bet I meant to look at this, Dan, and I I can uh, 
I can look back at it and see, but I, I'm pretty sure without looking at the stats that they hit the most home runs over the course of a weekend this season, last last week here in Knoxville, than any weekend today because they had 33 home runs coming into the weekend last week. And, man, they – uh, gosh, they hit, hit several. Um, but they can – they're hit to contact uh they're and they can be scrappy they run the bases they they pressure you in that that area of the game um arkansas i think i would put in the mix for sure uh don't know if the best thing for them is to you know well they they wouldn't have an extended stay they would just basically have a weekend type of deal um being the one seed if they if they lock that up, um, Alabama. If Alabama can carry this this streak and you know ride that momentum into Hoover, you know that would be a long ride in my eyes. But they certainly the way they're playing right now, they're just they're playing with their hair on fire, and maybe they're an option, but. Yeah, as far as the top teams that I'm not crazy about, LSU, not crazy about their chances to win the tournament. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, they're just – their makeup right now, I don't see – and it, I'm not sure it's wise for them to try to stay until Sunday the way their, uh, their pitching uh, situation has been with injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's – I'm circling three here, Alabama, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Oh, Florida. Florida um, has the firepower. They can lock up a uh, top four seed, maybe the top seed. Um, if that happens, um, obviously Florida and Arkansas, like I said, it would be more of just a weekend for them. So that helps. But they're also – they both teams have the firepower to win it. Uh, Florida with the better offense there, but I like Arkansas's pitching staff more. They're getting a little bit more healthy. Uh, Hunter Holland, Hagen Smith, uh, Brady Tigard is back. He's looked really good. He's going to be kind of ramped up, so to speak. He just returned a couple of weeks ago. He'll kind of be in that mode. It's lined up perfectly for him come tournament time. That's kind of his – he'll be in his peak season peak form potentially i really like arkansas's pitching their offense is not particularly explosive but it's a tough bunch and and they're really really good so arkansas florida alabama kentucky that would be the top four i would circle to win hoover yeah it's to me it's wide open like you said i mean it wouldn't shock me if kentucky wins i've been kind of waiting for kentucky to kind of fall off and they just continue to win throughout the regular season. So they've been a fun team to watch. I guess, Logan, I'm going to get you out on this one. I'll give you my thoughts first. But who do you think in the SEC has the best shot to win a national title? To me, it comes down to two teams. Florida, you mentioned they have the firepower of their offense with Wyatt Langford, who could potentially be maybe a first overall pick, but for sure a top three pick in this year's draft. They got also Josh Rivera, Jack Caglione. This kind of stole – college baseball and been a huge headline throughout the year with his ability to pitch and hit. And then even on the mound after Caglione, you got Waltrip and uh, Brandon Sprout as well. I think 
even though Florida's pitching has sometimes been inconsistent, they do have the guys. And if those guys can live up to kind of their expectations and potential, I think they're going to be a dangerous team to watch. And we've talked about Tennessee a lot here today, but I think if everything's clicking for Tennessee, I think they could be a dangerous team come NCAA tournament time. Logan, who do you feel like in the SEC has got the best shot to win a national title? Well, uh, full transparency, I I picked uh, Arkansas a couple of days ago in, ter- in terms of betting odds, right? And that's sure. – um, I'm sort of into that thing. And uh, so just about everything I, I analyze when it comes to baseball, I kind of put that hat on in terms of uh, odds, expected value, things like that. Um, Arkansas, just a few days ago, well, last week, they were 15 to one odds, um, at some sports books thought that I thought there was a lot of value there. Um, they're down to that number has shortened, um, 12 to one odds. I think is there's still a little bit of value there just based on what's expected to come. And I mentioned it, Arkansas. Um, I, I know a lot of people, you know, I said that a few days ago and then, they looked really good the first game against Vanderbilt. Looked good for seven, eight innings uh, last night, and then they just fell apart, man. I, As an Arkansas fan, it, it probably affects an Arkansas fan more, but for me, being a neutral bystander, um, I don't think it changes a ton for me what happened last night. I still like their makeup. Uh, they can only get healthier as long as no more injuries happen. Um, do they get Tavian Josenberger back? Uh, I think they will. That would be a boost for that, that lineup that I talked about, but really like what they have to offer right now with Hunter Holland, Hagen Smith, Brady Tigart, um, and the rest of the bunch there, that pitching staff is, it's not super deep, but they've got a lot of guys, a lot of tough guys that will battle with you. But the three I mentioned, those are their lead horses that, are really, really tough. They've got, they can really navigate a, a weekend and tournament time um, with that pitching staff in a lineup that can kind of, you know, they can kind of scrap with people. Like I said, they're not, um, they're not a Florida or an LSU or even a Wake Forest in terms of offense, but a bunch of timely hitting. They do have a few guys, a few key cogs that can rise to the occasion. Um, so Arkansas for me is what sticks out. Florida, I love the offense. Watt Langford, uh, just in any other draft, he would be the number one pick. <laughs> uh, there is actually talk as crazy as it sounds. I'm sure you've heard the same thing, Dan. I mean, yep. he's been thrown in the mix for number one, number two overall this year in this year's draft. And I mean, the guy's just crazy talented. Um, and then you mentioned Jackie Cags. They've also got guys, the lesser-known guys like B.T. Ryapel mm-hmm. offensively. Um, really love the offense, but I'm not I'm not quite sold on the pitching, Dan. I, Brandon Sproat and Hurston Waldrip uh, are really good, but – Numbers have shown, like, and I think the Florida offense has kind of masked it. Like, those both of those guys can kind of get hit around a little bit. Like, when they get 
when they get touched up, it, it's it's pretty bad. But the Florida offense has put up so good of numbers that it it kind of blankets that that scar. Um, so I don't know. That's I, I'm on the fence about Florida and their chances to win it all. But I it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. Um, but like I said all season long, Dan and a lot of other people have said it too. The Tennessee team, man, if if they can just stay consistent and offensively and stay healthy on the pitching side of things, that's just uh, what they're made of right now. I agree, Logan. Tennessee is definitely a team to watch right now. Great stuff, Logan. Always great to have you on. Logan Quinton, Baseball Prospect Journal, college baseball contributor, and host of the 920 Podcast. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at LDQ Sports. I always enjoy sitting down with Logan and talking college baseball with him. He's so well connected and knowledgeable about the SEC, so it was great to sit down with him and talk about the SEC, especially leading up to the biggest part of the SEC schedule with the tournament starting. You can find all of his work at BaseballProspectJournal.com. You can also find draft content and content on top minor league baseball prospects at BaseballProspectJournal.com. I've interviewed about 80 of the top prospects in this year's draft class and will continue to pump out content here leading up to the draft. I'm Dan Zielinski founder and national writer at BaseballProspectJournal.com. Find me on Twitter at DanZelinski3 and at the BP Journal on Twitter. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.